Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. It's Friday, and tonight we are talking about Senator Lindsey Graham's comments about Herschel Walker. What went down on Twitter after Elon Musk officially took over the social media platform? And also, why people are asking for an apology from Kyrie Irving. Get ready for another round of the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, activist and radio personality, Dominique DePrima. Hi, Dominique. Hi, Tammy Mack. Political analyst Ed Sanders. Hi, Ed. Tammy, happy Friday. Comedian and filmmaker Alicia Cooper. What's up, Lily? Hey, Tammy. And the president and the founder of Oleka Management Consulting, Dr. O.J. Oleka. Hi, Dr. O.J. Hi, Tammy Mack. Good to see you. Good to see you all, too. So let's see, what are we going to kick things off with? How about Lindsey Graham? On Wednesday, Senator Lindsey Graham and Georgia U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker interviewed with Fox News' Sean Hannity, and it appeared that Graham tried to portray Walker as the GOP's token black friend. Take a look. They're beating all of our guys up, but what is it about this guy? He changes the entire narrative of the left. We're a party of racists, Sean. Me and you're a racist. The Republican Party's racist. Well, what happens when the Republican Party elects and nominates Herschel Walker, an African-American black Heisman uh, Trophy winner, right? Olympian. It destroys the whole narrative. We would have preferred you grab Carl Lewis. How about that? Um, are Senator Graham and other conservatives using Herschel Walker's skin color for their own political gain? Your thoughts, Dr. Oleka? Well, no, they're talking about the Republican nominee for the United States Senate in Georgia. I think it is absolutely fair game for Republican senators to support a Republican nominee for the United States Senate. And Lindsey Graham is correct. The Democrats and the left do not want to see Herschel Walker elected to the United States Senate. If he were to be elected, you'd have Senator Herschel Walker, you'd have Senator Tim Scott, who would make two black Republican senators in the United States Senate, which would give them more, them being the Republican Party, more black U.S. senators than Democrats. This is not a narrative that the Democrats want. And Lindsey Graham talked about it in that interview. He mentioned John James, who's a candidate for the state house. He's a black Republican, in, or for the U.S. House, a black Republican in Michigan. And also Tim Scott. The Democrats don't want to see black folks elected to the Republican Party under the platform because it absolutely tears at their narrative. I've been hearing that in my life for the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look, you know, I, I think Lindsey Graham is laying out why Republicans actually nominated Herschel Walker. Um, I think it's it's a surprising nomination to most in the nation. I mean, when you look in, and have followed Herschel through um, his political journey here, I, I, I struggle to wonder um, what Senate committee that Lindsey Graham would actually nominate Herschel to sit on. Um, I think he struggled with his grasp of policy throughout this whole campaign. And if this was really about defending the Republican Party from being the, the racist party, well, look, one nomination isn't going to do it. Uh, it you got to look at the body of work that the Republican Party has had, particularly the body of work of Republicans in the South. And when you start to look at the, the state of Georgia in particular, we've seen nothing but systematic disenfranchisement from the Republican Party, and uh, <laughs> along with a whole litany of other things where the party has been hostile to African-Americans. So I, I, you know, I, this is just theatrics from my standpoint. Ah, theatrics, you say, Alicia? I agree. And the fact that he said he was African-American and black, that just turned me off. Like you just, I, don't, I can't stand Lindsey Graham. He's always frothing, he's always rabid, and he never gets called angry for some reason. We always know what is what their playbook is. We knew after Trump lost that they were gonna start putting black faces in white spaces. We already knew the game plan. And to pick Herschel Walker, you could have picked a different black man. You know, I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. We know what it is, we've seen it. We already read the playbook before they even got to the game. And we knew what they were going to do. And this is exactly what they had planned on doing. And he wanted to say, you can't call us racist because we, we, we're uh, uh, standing behind this man. And like Dr. OJ said in the last show, they're standing behind him because he's going to vote every way they tell him to vote. I do find it interesting that they're rallying behind uh, Herschel Walker, but didn't rally behind Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown. <laughs> I mean, it... Dominique? She's not their black friend. <laughs> She's not their black friend, Terry Mack. There's only certain friends that are black friends. I mean, look, 
um, Republican or white supremacist or racist, pretty much synonymous, they have always had proximity to blackness. That, that's not any proof that you're not a racist just because Ted Cruz dated somebody black in high school or, or uh, Thomas Jefferson fathered some children with one of his enslaved persons. Doesn't mean you're not a racist. It means you know some black people. You might even own some. You might run some. Uh, you might be the puppeteer for some. But that doesn't mean that you're not supporting a white supremacist agenda as the Republican Party has been doing as they have moved further and further to the extremes, which we see with the extreme court, with we, which we see with these, you know, Looney Tunes candidates that they're running in several states. They are the party that doesn't want black people to vote. So they might let you sit in an interview and be their new best friend to make a point about their party. But if you look at the policies, the disenfranchisement of black voters, the anti-blackness in budgeting and everywhere else that matters, this Republican Party is clearly the party of white supremacy. That's just factually and, untrue. It mm, is factually okay. untrue. Let's look at Georgia as Why a Why am I not surprised that you're saying I that. remember that when this panel, my esteemed colleagues, were saying how Georgia voting policies are going to be Jim Crow 2.0. You had President Biden say that. You had Stacey stolen election Abrams say that. And now all of a sudden you have record numbers in Georgia. More people have voted in the early returns than they did in 2018 before the laws were changed. Jim Crow 2.0 is not a real thing. Also, we talk about the policies of Georgia, quote unquote, disenfranchising black people. They've had Republican leadership, Republican governors that have allowed Atlanta to soar as a city with black owned businesses. And what did the Democrats do? Democrats oh, wow. called on people to get out of Georgia, called on people to, to ban going to Georgia and Atlanta for any business opportunity opportunities, putting black businesses out of work. But yet, just because you are black and because you are a Republican, you're a quote unquote white supremacist. But if you vote for Democrats who say that the election was stolen, do you vote for no, Democrats? We're not, see how we did that? We're not the ones saying the election was stolen. Newsflash, OJ, don't try to pull a Trump Jedi mind trick on us. We're not the ones telling the big lie. That would be you. And the issue about Jim Crow 2.0, we'll see how the election plays out because that's election denial. That's overturning of free and fair elections. That's hacking of these agencies and positions that decide whether or not we accept election results. And we were going to have to wait till November 9th for that. Hillary Clinton said the election that, 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 that you're talking about is accountability. Hold that thought, Dr. Oleka. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, the, you know, the turnout that you're talking about is really built on accountability. Uh, I mean, you referenced Stacey Abrams, but let's not forget the organization she founded actually had to sue the Republican standard bearer in Georgia around the number of people. And I think it was something, what, north of 30,000 votes that he summarily uh, uh, registered voters that he summarily tossed off the rolls last time. Uh, the standard bearer of the Republican Party in Georgia has, has repeatedly tried to disenfranchise African-American voters in the state for his own political gain. And despite that, despite that, the Democrats have been able to elect two U.S. senators and expect to elect the governor this time. And this is what James Baldwin was talking about when he said, I'm not your Negro, but apparently uh, Herschel Walker is. Again, these, these things are patently false untruths. If, if you look at Georgia and you look at what has happened there with the elections, Stacey Abrams' organization did try to sue. The last lawsuit that she was in, she lost. And her organization paid some of her closest top friends and aides, and now she's under investigation for those very kinds of lawsuits. This is not a good candidate in Georgia. What you all are saying about Republicans in Georgia is simply untrue. But look, I understand. She's not under investigation. What you all need to say. That's, that's factually untrue. She's not under investigation. There, because she lost a lawsuit doesn't mean it wasn't righteous for her to bring it up. And clearly, her organization efforts, along with people and organizations like Black Lives Matter and Latasha Brown, have made the difference for that turnout that you're bragging about. We'll see when she loses by 10 points. Well, podcast host and UFC commentator Joe Rogan predicts massive success for the Republican Party in the 2022 midterm elections. Rogan said the red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors in The Shining. I have to agree with Joe Rogan on this. Uh, it does seem to be that, you know, but he's not saying anything that's uh, that's new, though. It oftentimes happens that when there is a Democrat uh, president, that the Senate becomes Republican and vice versa. Dominique? Yeah, I mean, okay, you're psychic, Joe Rogan. Wow, I'm so impressed. I mean, 
if it's a wave, we'll see. I don't know. I, I would think it would be very sad if people would forget the, the lessons of Roe v. Wade being overturned, the lessons of this extreme court, and the lessons of the economy, too. When Republicans take the majority in the House and the Senate, they will start to work to repeal and shrink Social Security, Medicare, the thing that is a real safety net for our country. So if you're worried about inflation and worried about the economy, you definitely want to stay with Democrats because Republicans are the ones that give money to the rich in the form of tax cuts. And they're the ones that want to get rid of the safety net for seniors, which is Social Security, which is not an entitlement. It is an earned benefit. And they just want to do with it what they want to do with it. Those are economic issues. Yeah, okay. They could take the House and the Senate. I hope they don't. I hope that the American people stay with the momentum we saw when people realized just how extreme and out of touch our Supreme Court currently is. Dr. Oleka? Well, not only does do the American people not agree with what you're saying, they don't believe what you're saying, Dominique. They look at Democrats, they look at their policies, they don't like them in November, they're going to vote them out. That's typically how it happens. We'll see. It. We're all acknowledging that the midterms typically have a rebound against the the, the party that who's president who controls the presidency. Um, I don't know that I'm going to call it a wave. I, I, I do expect um, some significant losses for Democrats in the House. Um, but when you start to look at it just from a starting basis, uh, there was a slim majority of Democrats in the House to begin with. So, you know, from a historic standpoint, I don't expect this to rival, say, you know, Obama's uh, loss in, in, say, 2010. So, Alicia. Yeah, and if it does happen, a lot of people are going to be voting against their own best interests. And a lot of things have been hung around the necks of the Democrats. You know, we're supposed to be soft on crime and soft on immigration and soft on whether transgenders can uh, compete with women in sports. They've hung all this stuff around our necks. And um, and, and, and it might, it might uh, work out in their favor. I'm just hoping that it's not a wave, you know, I'm hoping that it's not a wave and I'm hoping that people come out and vote because like Dominique said, the country fares better under democratic leadership because we look out for the little people versus the corporations and the one percenters. Let's uh, take a look at this wave of commercials that I got coming up. We'll be back. Back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today is or are the political and trending highlights of the week. So let's get down to business. The use of the N-word on Twitter has spiked over 500%, just days after Elon Musk purchase and takeover of the social media platform. Many celebrities, including LeBron James, have called out Musk because of it. James tweeted, I don't know Elon Musk, and to be honest, I could care less who owns Twitter, but I will say that if this is true, I hope he and his people take this very seriously because this is scary. So many damn unfit people saying hate speech is free speech. Elon Musk did say since the takeover, he's done nothing uh, in reference to the policies of Twitter. So why do you think this is happening, Dr. Oleka? Well, I mean, I don't think anybody can be sure why it is happening. As a, a researcher, I'd, I'd like to know where those tweets are coming from, uh, what are they about, who's using that particular word and why. I mean, I don't think anybody on this panel likes the usage of that word, especially in a form where people could use it to uh, incite violence, to say negative things. But again, you, you've got to be careful here in terms of how you protect certain levels and kinds of speech online. Obviously, hate speech slurs are not protected on the First Amendment in most instances, but just looking at one metric and saying, well, now Twitter is all of a sudden this awful rotten place as if it wasn't an awful rotten place two weeks ago, I think would be short-sighted. My Twitter feed hasn't changed. The people that I communicate with and the people that I follow haven't been using this word uh, anymore. So I, again, I don't know where it's coming from, uh, but it's certainly not something I support. I myself have not used Twitter in quite some time. So uh, I, I find it fascinating that people even recognize that there has been an increase in the word. Alicia? Yeah, well, I did my own little test once he took over. I went on there and I started tearing people up and I wasn't getting suspended for it anymore. So I'm actually excited. 
<laughs> so we know where it's coming from then is what, what you're trying to say right. That's the, yeah. look, don't been, look any further Dr. Olaker <laughs> I've been in Twitter jail a whole lot and I, I'm hey yeah I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I'm not on suspension anymore because I'm getting it in because what would happen is somebody would attack me and I would respond and I'd get suspended and I'd be like this isn't right I'm, did you read what was just said to me so now I haven't been suspended since Friday and um, he might not have made a whole lot of changes because he's busy laying people off right now. Right. Exactly. He's like, I don't have time for the policies right now. Let me get rid of all these people first. It. I mean, I mean listen, there's, there's going to be a lot of conversation this week around what you can and cannot say on social media um, and publicly. And, and um, you know, Twitter is, is one of the leading social media platforms. Um, Elon Musk take over uh, of it, and to your point, the the subsequent uh, uh, Musk era there uh, is starting off poorly. I think one, you know, the number of layoffs that he's reporting out today, and then two, uh, this perception amongst Twitter users that he's going to relax the the policies and allow for more hate speech to flow on Twitter. Um, he hasn't come out to combat that yet, and you know that that poses some problems as we start to move forward. You get a chance to see a lot of negative behavior from, uh, particularly the American people, right? And uh, you know this is one of the the scary parts. I think that's what LeBron's tweet was about: is that that you're really starting to see a lot of hate bubbling up, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Hopefully, he has a, a rethinking of his policies. Yeah, uh, my thing is, if that if it means that much to whoever uses Twitter, then perhaps this is where the cancel culture can work and you can cancel Twitter altogether, if it means that much. Dominique? Well, I think we got to wait and see. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing what Alicia's doing. I've been suspended since Friday. Um, they're testing the boundaries because there's a new owner. That said, the NAACP and others have met with Elon Musk and asked him to take a serious look at this, and he claims that he will. But this is coming from a guy who is facing the biggest lawsuit against a private company in the state of California history for the racism at the factories that he owns of Tesla. So I take that with a grain of salt. I mean, where people were regularly called the N-word employees, where they had a special section of the factory floor that was called the plantation. So I really don't have a lot of faith that he's gonna rein this in. That said, I'm glad he did take the meeting and that the conversation is there. I think the layoffs are also concerning for another reason, which is a bunch of those people will be content moderators. So who is moderating the content if you fire everybody? And of course, AOC, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, was complaining this morning that she irritated um, Elon Musk and all of a sudden her notifications were gone and her Twitter page was eviscerated. Um, so if he's going to be Trumpian about it and use it for his petty squabbles um, like an emperor, it's a private company, so he can do that if he wants to, but it's going to be problematic if your defense of the N-word is freedom of speech. Well, you know, it's interesting because people were getting on Elon Musk because he was going to charge $20 a month for the blue check verification. And then he decided $8 a month for the blue check verification. And then uh, after people complained about the $8 a month for the verification blue mark check, uh, he said, complain all you want. It's still $8 a month. So I got a feeling this is going to be much of the same. Complain all you want. You can use the N word. T-Pain appeared on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah to discuss why he talks openly about anxiety and depression. He said, I love being vocal about things like that because it wasn't set in the blueprint before me. Everybody was always, it's all about blinging. It's all about having a bunch of money and having all this. And nobody tells you about the down. Everybody tells you about the up. T-Pain has previously said that his mental health issues begin when Usher told him that his use of auto-tune ruined music so what are your thoughts on t-pain he is a very sensitive guy isn't he anyone anyone can have this one go ahead Alicia. Yeah. I don't know about the blame usher for 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 all your woes but I mean like look it, it's, oh, you don't know about that I didn't know about that that, that yeah, one crap to usher on an airplane and usher walked up to him and said man thanks for ruining music I mean, look, I, I don't, uh, you got me laughing at someone's uh, uh, feelings about their depression, and, and that, that I don't mean to do that. 
you know, when we start looking at how we are viewing mental health now, it's important. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we, we've seen it in the athletic world with, with Simone Biles, uh, Naomi Osaka. Um, I think people are now, particularly coming out of uh, the COVID pandemic, you're much more in tune to how you're perceiving the world and 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 any depression that might be about uh, you know setting in on your life, and that's important. I, I think for African Americans in particular, too long we have uh, pushed those feelings and that understanding really deep down, almost to our own detriment. Um, and it's important that we do have that conversation, that we can have that conversation freely. Yeah, I love that you said that. And I think the reason why we've had to uh, hold on to those feelings internally is because we have to remain strong and we have to keep fighting. And every day for African-Americans is a fight just just to get through the day, let alone to get through your career that's filled with white people telling you what to do or uh, <laughs> I mean, it really is. You, yeah. It really is exhausting, and so you're you really don't have the time uh, uh, or the privilege actually to deal with your true emotions because you're just trying to get through life, Dominique. Yeah, and I think it's important to you know for T Pain and and others that that Ed has mentioned to be transparent about what's going on with their own mental health, especially coming out of pandemic. Um, we have so many young people who are dealing with mental health crises. The rate of suicide among African-American children um, is going up. And so I think when people like T-Pain, people in the public eye are willing to speak openly about it and destigmatize it, maybe it makes it easier for some of those young folks to go and get help. Yeah, let's hope so. Alicia? Yeah, and in the entertainment industry, as David Arnold was famous for saying, it ain't for the weak. You know, this is this is that you have to have a strong coat of armor to deal with everything that's going to come your way when you become a public figure. And um, I know that hurt him. I mean, the word ruin, that's a strong word for somebody to tell you you ruined something, you know. So and and, and I don't know if Usher was an uh, idol of his before, but what they tell you, never meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And if he was a hero, that's a second level of gut punch. And I'm glad he's getting the mental health help that he needs. And I'm glad that we as a community are starting to speak more openly about it. It's very helpful to do to get if you need medications, get them. If you need to speak to somebody, speak to somebody. We've spent too much time holding everything in. And I'm especially glad that black males are starting to do this, too, because it shouldn't have been stigmatized to begin with. Yeah, well, it, you know, you have to deal, you have to prioritize things when you're black, right? That's, yeah. that's a part of being black. Uh, Dr. Oleka will get your comments when we return, or we might just move on, Dr. Oleka. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. Hey, soulmates, I want to talk to you real quick about Hover one of our amazing sponsors. So have you ever thought about starting your own business, creating a brand, sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world, or even using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Well, don't look any further. Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you have always dreamt of building or a business you wanna take online, the first step is finding your domain name. Hover makes this super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and a truly amazing customer support team. It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. You will also be able to choose from over 400 extensions like .shop, .tech, dot art or you can stick with the classic dot com you'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business one that's memorable relevant and boost your brand you can buy a domain set up custom email boxes and point it to your website in just a few clicks yeah if you ever run into trouble help is just a phone call or a chat away hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst the millions of people launching any kind of brand or business secure, simple, and reliable. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, I know my hashtag goals are a bigger, better brand, and it's always a good thing to get a boost. So make it happen right now. Head to hover.com forward slash Tammy Mac to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash Tammy Mac to get 10% off. Now, 
that we've handled that business, let's get back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And today, the business of being black are the political and trending highlights of the week. Dr. Oleka, I know you are a huge T-Pain fan, so I could not let you uh, let us have this discussion without your input about T-Pain sharing his depression publicly. Well, I think the important thing about T-Pain and what he shared uh, was his vantage point. I mean, T-Pain is an expert in his field. He's one of the most talented artists in the hip-hop industry. And the fact that he said it was another talented artist in the R&B industry, Usher, that kicked off his stint with mental health, I think is important. People who are great in their field need to demonstrate vulnerability for people coming up after them to show them you can be great but still have challenges on your own. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing. Uh, and I'm glad that T-Pain has done what he did. Yeah, yeah, very glad. Um, ESPN, Stephen A. Smith claims that he is underpaid because he is black. Uh, Smith has been in the industry for years and seemingly has several assignments at ESPN other than his show First Take. He earns about $8 million per year under his current contract with ESPN. And he also has a $4 million per year production contract with the company, making Smith's total compensation $12 million each year from ESPN per The Athletic. Uh, according to The Athletic, he is one of the highest paid broadcasters in sports. Uh, what are your thoughts on Smith's claims? Uh, he's number seven. He's number seven. I think Tony Roma comes in the top 10 and um, uh, other other sportscasters that I think we all know. Al Michaels comes in the top 10, uh, the highest being about 30 million. Stephen A falls at the 12 million. Is he getting less because he is a black man, Dominique? Well, you know what, any of us, well, maybe except for OJ, any of us would be happy to have that eight or 12 million a year, right? So, but what doesn't make sense is to compare it to our own experience because he's comparing himself to the field and what industry standards are. This is what Monique got in trouble for when she went toe to toe with Netflix. She ended up winning and she now has a special and she got paid her rate. So sometimes, you know, it pays to stand up. We all know that in business, you don't get what you deserve you get what you negotiate. So go on, Stephen, go and get you your money. So did he, did he get what he, could he negotiate? Could he have negotiated what he deserved, Dominique? Well, look, we know that black people are valued less, not just in, in society as a whole, but specifically in the entertainment industry and specifically paid less. You can see pay equity problems with movie stars across the board. This is what Viola Davis was talking about on Instagram. It is a problem. We are paid less for the same work. And that's why, you know, it might sound crazy when we hear it because he's making 12 million, but I'm, you know, I'm sure he can make his case and I hope he gets paid. I hope he gets paid what is equitable uh, in comparison with other people that do the same thing he does and have the same kind of rating success that he continuously has. Stephen A. Smith said, we are still black in this country. We don't trust this country in terms of uh, mediocrity always. We know the bottom line is that just like women are underpaid compared to male counterparts, blacks are underpaid compared to white counterparts. And he went on to say, and so when you look at it from that perspective, and of course people look at me, I'm not talking about me, even though I got news for you, I am underpaid compared to some people on television, uh, what they get paid, but that's a subject for another day. I ain't apologizing for that to a damn soul. I am underpaid. Having said all that, it ain't about me. <laughs> it did sound like it was about him. Go ahead, Alicia. Yeah, I mean, he's exactly right. I'm never going to tell anybody that they shouldn't know their own worth. We know in this entertainment, I know I'm underpaid in this entertainment industry. I see some of my colleagues and counterparts and the things that they're getting and the opportunities that they're, they've, uh, they're being given that I'm not even in the running for. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it's unfortunate, but it is the case. And um, I'm not going to tell that man he's incorrect. He's talking about his field, a field that he knows way better than the average person would know. He knows who's getting what, how they're getting what. You know, I've, I have so many experiences in my own life, um, just uh, just empirical data that lets me know that exactly what he's saying is correct. And it's unfortunate, but we're underpaid and undervalued in every area, not just the entertainment industry. Yeah, and, and, and 
being in the broadcast industry, I can attest to that living in Los Angeles, California as well, in a market where the pay should be extremely higher than that of other markets. Uh, sometimes I, I find it equivalent to Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. O Oleka. I mean, if you want to come down to Kentucky, that LA money down here will probably buy you about 10 houses. So you're welcome to, to come down to Kentucky whenever you would like. Uh, on Stephen A. Smith, I mean, look, if I don't, if he says he's underpaid, that's a, a conversation, as Dominique said, he's got to take up with his employer. But I do think it's important that when people say these things, that we, we look at apples to apples as opposed to apples to oranges. Stephen A. Smith is an entertainer on ESPN. He's not a former long-term or long-time professional athlete. You mentioned Tony Romo, who played in the NFL, who was with the Cowboys, who now does uh, commentary and also calls those games from a perspective of being an expert. Stephen A. Smith calls halftime. He's got his show. He's got a number of different things. I don't know if you look at his specific role as an entertainer who does halftime games for the NBA, who's got his own show first take, who does some of the other commentary that he does. I don't know anybody else that does what he does and gets paid more than him. Again, I haven't seen the full list, but when you look at what he actually provides to sports commentary, I'd, I'd be shocked if anybody doing his specific bit gets paid more than him. Again, I could be wrong, uh, but that's a conversation for him to take up with his employer. Right. And I, I think also maybe it's compared to the work that he has. Uh, could, 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 could it be that? Could it be that Tony Romo maybe only does this one specific thing, whereas Stephen A has to do other jobs attached to his contract, Dominique? Well, I mean, you know this, Tammy Mack, because you work a lot in entertainment. It's always about your quote, right? What did you get last time? And so that's how they'd establish what you're worth. It's kind of one of those traditions. Like OJ said, the agent has to work it out with management. Yeah, they can make that argument, but you know it always comes down to star power, right? Um, if Rihanna says one word at the Super Bowl, she could end up negotiating more money than you know everyone on the team if she's got the star power to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, the entertainment business is is interesting because it's very subjective. It's not really something that you can say, well, she makes this, she makes that. Although Monique really did prove her point in that lawsuit. They settled. So I don't know. We don't know, Dominique, whether she got what she deserved or what she was asking for at all, uh, rather than it just being a simple agreement that says, what about this? We'll no, she settled and she got paid. And now they're putting out her new special. So and you know, she got paid more than they initially offered her, she wouldn't be doing it. So that's a W for her, for sure. Right. It? Just kind of clear. Uh, you know, when you when you look at her, I mean, we talked about Tony Romo, and Tony Romo calls NFL. Uh, and, and in the sporting world, the NFL is king. And, and so there's, and it's king by a, a large margin. So for any station trying to keep a base of, of viewers, uh, you kind of understand. To uh, Stephen A. Smith's point, though, I mean, he is the number one personality on the number one sports-focused television show or, or, or broadcast show. Um, you know, he holds down a show, as O.J. referenced, I think, from 10 to 12 every day. You know, for me, that's the time that I'm watching, you know, the business of being Black on the Fox Soul app. Shameless plug there. But, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but what he does is he keeps viewers attached to ESPN, and there's a value in that. And for for whatever that is, they're able to move them around and, and utilize them, and there's a certain value there. Um, I think he may be right when you start to look at it. Uh, you know, ESPN, you start to look at over the last year, they've had some very high-profile defections, particularly among African-American women, when you start to look at Jamel Hill, Maria Taylor, uh, even uh, Sage Steele. Um, so there may be something to it, but I, I would offer back to Stephen A. Smith, look, you've got to come forward with a few more receipts for folks to 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 walk that that wall. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, Tony 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 Romo, I'm I'm just checking here uh to to make sure Tony Romo is listed as the highest paid, and then Troy Aikman also listed. Um and then we have uh Joe Buck and Al Michaels, as I mentioned before. Uh, and they're in the, you know, double digits as well. So, um, Dominique, I, I want to ask you, because I know this is your industry as well, though. Um, is it what you negotiate or is it your star power? Which works best? Um, I think what you negotiate works best. 
because sometimes we hear about these people you never heard of, some YouTuber or some you know, former politician getting a fat contract. That means they had a good agent and a great lawyer. And yeah, hopefully they had some star power, but a lot of times, and you know this, Tammy, people get signed in the industry based on buzz, potential, star power that hasn't yet existed. And so that's why I think it's really what you negotiated, although the star power helps. So fellas, how do we feel about uh, Russell Wilson and his $245 million contract? Was that, was that all about the negotiations or was that about the star power? Because has he won a game yet? I'm just curious. Look, he's a he's in Denver now. I'm I'm a Raider and Ram fan. I, I don't care about the Broncos. But 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 look, I mean look, he's a he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh he's been to the Super Bowl twice. He's got a, a, a demonstrated history in the league. And so the contract that he was able to negotiate is the contract he was able to negotiate to to Dominique's point. Um, you know, whether the Broncos are realizing their value in it is still to be to be seen. I mean, there I think there's a couple of years on that contract. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I hope they keep losing. Dr. Oleka? As a Steelers fan, I couldn't agree with Ed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all like, we don't care nothing about him and what they paid him. We good. Keep losing. <laughs> well, but but what you mentioned though, um, Ed, uh, suggests that it's not also about what you do today, but about the history and the experience and the skill and the track record that you have that also equates to how much a person pays you. Well, somebody about to pay me right now because we about to go to commercial break. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving is getting backlash on and off the court after he tweeted a link to the film Hebrew to Negroes, which promotes anti-Semitic tropes to his six million followers. Irving initially defended his actions in a post-game press conference. He said in terms of the black lash in terms of the backlash i should say we're in 2022 history is not supposed to be hidden from anybody and i'm not a divisive person when it comes to religion i embrace all walks of life he continued so the claims of anti-semitism and who are the original chosen people of god and we go into these religious conversations and it's a big no-no i don't live my life that way he said irving was questioned again yesterday about the anti-semitic content in the film uh check out his response I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver uh, called Irving's anti-Semitic post a reckless decision and said he plans to meet with Kyrie next week. Uh, well, Kyrie Irving has received five days suspension, I believe it has been. Uh, he said he didn't mean to cause any harm and he's yet to issue a former formal apology but there has been an apology issued on behalf of the team and Kyrie Irving let's talk about that Dr. OJ well if you look at Kyrie Irving as an NBA superstar he's had an interesting career arc first he started out one year at Duke barely played there went to the Cleveland Cavaliers that didn't win a whole lot then LeBron James came he hit a big shot ended up winning a championship and now you see where he is now and how he's viewed and valued by the public I think he's certainly an interesting figure. Uh, I don't agree with anything that he said with regard to this particular video. I haven't seen it. I won't watch it. Uh, but what Kyrie needs to understand is that he's living in a world in a large media market in New York City uh, where people don't like the things that he's saying. He can't repeatedly over and over and over say things that are going to upset people, going to bother people in a significant way that's going to impact what he's supposed to be doing, which is playing and winning basketball. That's what he started out doing in the NBA was being a great player to help teams win. Now, again, people who are athletes can have all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of beliefs. I'm not saying that he should, quote, shut up and dribble. That's not my point here. What I am saying is that if you are going to be a global brand, which he is trying to be, you have to understand that even if you hold a particular belief, it's not something you can put out there into the public and not expect repercussions. He's receiving those repercussions now, and I think he's going to have to deal with them. Well, this is not the first time that we've had these uh, beliefs of Kyrie Irving pop up during the whole uh getting your booster shot of uh, your vaccines. Kyrie Irving did not get a vaccine and stayed out of many games uh, during that time. How do we feel about this, Dominique? Well, look, I believe that everyone has a right to decide whether they're not, they want to get vaccinated and everybody has a right to believe and think as they see fit. That said, I think it's, it's, 
I agree with what OJ said. You're a public figure and you got to deal with the consequences of your words. But I would take it even a step further. I feel like we're at a time in our country that it's very important to stand against hate. And that hate includes anti-blackness. That hate includes anti-Semitism, anti-API hate. We have to stand against hate. And that is really where we are. And it's a critical place, just as we in Los Angeles will not stop calling for disgraced councilman Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo to step down because of their hate. We need that same energy uh, against anti-Blackness, against anti-Indigenousness, and we need that same energy against anti-Semitism. Alicia? Yeah, I haven't seen the documentary, so I can't speak intelligently on the contents of the documentary. But they said that he's uh, been suspended indefinitely as of a few hours ago. And uh, I saw this Harvard study that said famous black men have issued 123% of all apologies issued on Instagram. Um, I'm wondering how many uh, apologies have come the other direction on Instagram. Uh, uh, it's just very interesting. I, I don't agree with forcing people to apologize because by the time you get the apology, the apology brings hollow. If somebody really thinks what they said is wrong, they'll apologize immediately. Like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. But if somebody's holding on to their stance, they mean what they're saying. And so for you to Toby them and get an apology, it's, it, it, it's, it would, are you doing that to appease yourself? But he you know, did say that he didn't, he did say that he didn't hate anyone. He did denounce hate, I guess. Right. And they want a direct apology. I haven't seen the, the documentary either, but I wish we would hold our politicians feet to the fire the same way we do our athletes. Me too. Wow. Um, Kyrie Irving issued an apology on Instagram saying to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain and I apologize. It Listen, a lot of what OJ has said early on is right. Uh, Kyrie Irving is occupies sort of a unique space in the athlete's world, you know, from uh, one, uh, just sheer talent. And when you start to follow him on social media, the conversation around Kyrie is really strong on social media. He's got a really strong fan base. Um, and, and then, two from an endorsement level, I, I, you know, I believe he's one of a handful of uh, players that has a, a Nike-themed shoe in his name. Um, so he's, he's a significant athlete in that regard. Um, to OJ's point, I mean, what he's learning and what he's learning in real time is that the conversation around hate speech um, really needs to be unequivocal in the country. I mean, to, to Dominique's point, whether you're talking about anti-Blackness, anti-Semitism, I think we look for it to to be extinguished where we can. We just had the conversation about Twitter um, and the increase in the N word on Twitter. Um, you know, it, it is it is such a prevalent conversation in the United States now that that you know it, it's hard to ignore. Um, I did rent this film. I rented it on Amazon. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but that that is another peculiar part of this is that that you are able to rent this on a platform like Amazon. And, you know, the profit from just this controversy to Amazon, to the to author, uh, you know, is is perplexing. There isn't doesn't seem to be enough of, a, of an outcry in that regard. Um, but the reason why I rent it is because I don't, I haven't seen this film yet. I, I do want to understand what is the what is thought to be anti-Semitic about it, right? Um, to Alicia's point, there is a lot of, of of ask and condemnation on Kyrie to have him apologize. I thought his statements early on were um, you know contrite, and one of them complete with a financial atonement. Uh, I think of five hundred thousand dollars, and so at a certain point. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure. Is it just the words you need to hear him say, I sorry, or you need to hear him say, I apologize? Is there some specific text that you need to hear him say um, for this to go away? I say all that to say because young people, particularly African Americans, are viewing this and watching this. And in a lot of ways, we can talk right past them in this because they can see an, a very popular figure in Kyrie and perceive it as though he's being, quote, lynched forced to apologize. And I and I think in the long run, that sort of reaction poses more trouble than, than it's worth. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's kind of what Alicia was saying when she says, when you force people to apologize, it ends up being kind of a hollow position. Like, does he still 
uh, hold true to whatever the, the, the rhetoric was that, that he put out there? And is there some way where there can be an open conversation of dialogue? That's really what I would like to see happen. I'd like to see an open conversation of dialogue um, so that we can understand, so that everyone can understand um, what this is. Oftentimes what I see is uh, someone says something and then they go into this, um, they go into a, a meeting to kind of get uh, schooled on the history, but then, um, then people continue to keep doing it. So I would like to see everyone learn those lessons that um, that 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 Kyrie has to to learn in terms of knowing what's wrong and what it is specifically, so that it will not happen over and over again. No one wants anybody to be uh, anti-Semitic, nor anti-Black, nor anti-human being, for that matter. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I understand what you all are saying there. So let's talk about what hit, who, what hit the streets in Houston not long ago, uh, the death of rapper Takeoff. My goodness, they're still um, investigating and it, we've got the, the, the word uh, come down that he was shot multiple times and this apparently was a stray bullet uh, that killed rapper Takeoff. How do we feel about this? Because there's been a lot of outcry for rappers to speak out against violence. Uh, the very thing that some of them rap about, Alicia? Yeah, like you said, the very thing that some of them rap about is really unfortunate. And the problem is just the prevalence of guns in the U.S. It's just too many guns. And everybody's settling their issues by... Uh, pulling out a gun and actually firing it in a crowd of people. How can you say you love your people when you're that reckless with everybody's lives? I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. It's sad. It keeps happening over and over again. When will it stop? I just don't, it's so senseless. It's so, these guys aren't even making it to 40 years of age. You say 40, he was 28. Oh my gosh. So he, yeah. you know, they're not making it to 30. Yeah. To be honest, they are not making it to 30. A lot of them have died in their 20s, early to late. And it always makes me think about Biggie and Tupac, who both died at the age of 24. Dominique? Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I also think we need to look at the context of America, where we do have homicide up. People are under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, due to the pandemic and all of this uh, economic and psychological problems that come with that. I was talking to rapper uh, Miles Lowe on my show, and he said, well, it, you know, is it fair to blame hip hop? But it, he also made a really good point, which is that when you talk about the Migos, you're talking about mainstream pop. Even Nipsey Hussle was sort of underground until before he was murdered. Takeoff, that's a huge mainstream pop portfolio. So now this has got to be addressed on a, on a different level as far as us as a nation facing our problem with violence that goes well beyond hip hop. Yeah, Tupac was 25. Uh, it? Yeah, so, you know, it is, um, there's so many issues when you, when, you, when you look at this. I mean, I, I, to the point that you were just making, I mean, it's a very particular loss for the city of Atlanta. I mean, you know, Biggie for Brooklyn and, and Tupac and, and Noopsy for Los Angeles, um, you know, their reach in Atlanta, a lot of people know locally. And so, you know, condolences first off to um, his family and, and to the other members of the group and, and, and their immediate circles. Um, you know, earlier in the show, we were counting people's nickels, right? I mean, we were talking about Stephen A's salary, and, and we do this with NBA players, and, and you know, very often they are back into uh, uh, events or experiences where people know very well how much money they have. Uh, you know, yeah. they don't go necessarily to great lengths to, to hide it, you know, with, with the displays of jewelry and whatnot. Um, but those sort of situations call for yourself to defend yourself. And in doing so, you see the guns, which Alicia referenced, as being far too prevalent. Um, and it creates this environment where guns are very, very present. Yeah. And, Let me and get Dr. Omega in real quick, Ed, on this yeah. one. I just think it's sad for the industry. 
as everyone was talking about before from the human element, that's absolutely true. But I think it's incredibly sad for the hip hop industry, which is designed to, to pull most particularly young black folks out of struggle by giving them a voice to use their art to move their lives forward. And what's going to be taken away is all the art that we don't get to hear from Takeoff because he's gone. Yeah, speaking of young black kids, um, the Washington Commanders aren't officially for sale, but they have reportedly already received an offer. Byron Allen is reportedly prepared to bid to buy the team. This is Allen's second attempt this year to acquire a National Football League franchise. The first bid was for the Denver Broncos. And if Allen uh, succeeds in buying the Commanders, he would be the first black majority owner of an NFL team, potentially easing some of the hits taken by the league around race and social justice. So talk about the impor importance of young black kids, not uh, only seeing us play the game, but also seeing us own the game. I got a feeling, look, <laughs> If they don't let Byron Allen uh, bid for it, somebody gonna get sued because Byron <laughs> Allen is gonna sue you, baby. He gonna sue. Uh, how important is this, uh, Dominique? Take us on out with these 30 seconds. I think it's super important. Byron Allen will soon own everything. I know Magic Johnson is trying to get a piece of the Raiders, but this is one way we can get that diversity in coaching, that diversity in the head office and in ownership, which is so important that we not just be workers in the game, but that we be profiteers at the big kids' table. So congratulations, Byron Allen. And thank you, Dr. Oleka, Alicia, Dominique, and Ed Sanders for participating in another business of being Black episode with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. We'll see y'all later. New on Curiosity Stream, the Nazis' true strength was their propaganda. You had posters, you had banners, you had music. See how a mastery of messaging galvanized Hitler's march to power in Project Nazi Blueprints of Evil. And if space is the final frontier, is it destined to be monetized? The battle between space exploration and galactic capitalism may have already begun. Don't miss Space Greed. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.